Hello there, you're about to experience the WhatsApp Church Podcast. Can a dude get some Holy Spirit? Church, what is up? Welcome again, uh, another week, episode two of the What's Up Church podcast. My name is Daniel Jordan. Obviously, I'm the one taking you on this audible journey through life and things all of such. <laughs> um, so, there's a big debate in terms of what to do for this podcast. Um, Part of me wanted to lean into some stuff and some and some ideas that were that were rattling around, and the other part of me felt like it was really important to kind of set a baseline of who I am. Since some of you do know me, some of you don't know me. Anybody's new listening to this, you don't know me at all, maybe. So I wanted to kind of share my testimony, and I think it's a really important thing to let you guys know um, who I am, where I've been, where I am now. I guess is the better way to say it, and all things in between that are will give you so much more information to how I'm processing things, why I, I do things the way I do it, why I, I think or say, all that kind of stuff. So I'm just it's gonna be a longer version of a testimony, but you know, hopefully it's it it gives you information that's important. So <clears throat> you can kind of pick and choose as to like moving forward, hey, like like I have a way better understanding of what he's talking about and or where he's coming from. Um, you, you'll hopefully know my heart better in situations because I'm not always the best at explaining that. I'll sometimes assume. And again, like I said before, a lot of this is coming from my own just processing. So I don't. I want you to know where I'm processing from. So I was born and raised in Mississippi. I was born in Memphis Hospital, 1980. What's up? Um, and then raised in Mississippi till I was 10 or 11. Um, and then my parents took my brother and I and just boom. Um, oh yeah, I have a brother, older brother. Cool, two years older. <clears throat> if you asked us when we were kids, we would say two years, one month, two days, and 50 minutes apart. Cause it was like a thing we did and press adults whatever um nothing important about that but we were uh relocated from podunk mississippi i mean like walls mississippi was like a town if you blinked you drove through it it if you had a map of mississippi it wasn't on the map it was nothing but i loved it we were raised in a private catholic school um we weren't catholic but like the reason i say that is because like our school was k through eighth grade and the entire school, kindergarten through eighth grade, had between three and 400 kids at any one time. Like, and that's a lot. Um, and we didn't go to public school. <clears throat> we didn't do any of that. And then when I was 10 or 11, I want to say 11-ish, relocated my parents to San Diego, California, technically Claremont, uh, which is San Diego County. <clears throat> and that was a culture shock of culture shocks you cannot imagine. We went from... Like I said, three to 400 K through eight. I was dropped in Marston Middle School, which is a big middle school in Claremont. And there was 3,000 kids, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade alone. It was just a middle school. So six, seven, eight, 3,000 kids, half of them Mexican. And no problem with Mexicans, but I had never seen a Mexican. I understand I was in Mississippi, like Mississippi. There was black and there was white. Mexicans, what? Asians, what? 
total outliers. Did not understand that, um, which is crazy to say, but that's just, I mean, hey, you, you don't see what you don't see. You don't know what you don't know. Got to California. I was like, what? So many kids, all like just nuts. And I was like very upset that I had left California or left uh, Mississippi, was holding on to my accent. I dressed like an absolute buffoon, um, tucked in t-shirt to his shorts. So just go ahead and assume how much I was picked on. Just go ahead. Southern accent, dude who tucked in his t-shirt to his shorts. Insert horrific, <laughs> horrific teasing and bullying, what have you. <laughs> Deservedly so in some aspects. The t-shirt and the shorts things. Come on, guy. Get it together, bro. Uh, play like a champion. Anyway, so get to Mississippi, cultural shock, or get to California, total culture shock, all that. Um... Finally ended up adapting, whatever. Uh, we moved to Escondido, which is again, North County, San Diego. Some would call it the armpit of North County. Um, others would not, um, but it was awesome. I liked North County. Uh, I still do, loved it out there. Wild Animal Park, what's up lovers? <clears throat> so, or I'm now Safari Park for all you zoo fans. Um, it was just a beautiful area. And so that was, I moved there in my seventh grade year. So I went from sixth grade, knowing no one coming from Mississippi to seventh grade, going to a whole nother school. So entering into middle school now in the mid year and everyone's already got friends. And this guy, your boy does not, um, brand new, everything else. And so I got good at not, uh, how do you adapt? I mean, like, like you just start learning how to uh, adapt, fit in. Um, deal with problems and conflicts. Um, I'm not a, a an angry or, or like like violent type person, so that was never my style. I was much more just like make people laugh, be funny, and kind of create friend bases through that. Like people that make me laugh or I make them laugh, vice versa. Those would be our friend base. Um, so high school, San Diego, North County, all that. Go through all that. Um, <clears throat> I was raised in a Christian home. Like my mom and dad were saved. Um, you wouldn't know it at all times with my dad. My mom, rock solid. Like growing up, she was our rock of faith. So I grew up, amazing to say this, but I never doubted. Like I grew up believing in Jesus. I grew up believing in the Holy Spirit, God, the Trinity, like what he did, all the things. I never didn't believe. Like, like I never, I, as, as early as I can remember, like we were going to church or something else, it just made sense to me. It wasn't something that had a conflict of resolution. I didn't have to like, like resolve any issues or doubts or anything else. I just always believed. I never, I, I just, I'm like, I never had a problem with believing it. And I say that now to fast forward, like I'm in high school and I'm saved. Like I get, I get saved, uh, like in middle school, I think I get saved in high school. Like, and not saved again, but you know what I mean? Like really like dedicating yourself and kind of and have that moment. But the one thing I didn't have was relationship. Like that's the part of my experience growing up that I now know was so significant that I knew, but I didn't know him. Like I knew in my head, I knew in my heart that I was saved, but there was no relationship past that, which is just... Unfortunately, you're resting on your own experience to kind of like, oh, like, you know, like I always joke about the book of Judges, you know, I did what was right in my own eyes, but because in my head I was saved and a good person, quote unquote, good person, then I was good. And I went through high school and 
dude, I'll be honest with you guys. I was a dirtbag. You know what I mean? Like, like I, I don't think I was a good person. Looking back on it, I know I wasn't. Um, I took advantage of people. I was a, a, a smooth talker, so to speak. And, you know, I used that to my advantage. And it was, it was just a, 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 a dirtbag thing to do. But then the entire time I'm still like, I'm a good person. You know, I'm not bad. I'm not as bad as others, you know? So I'm kind of on the scale of one to 10. I'm like, I'm like, you know, I'm doing pretty good. Like I go to church, I'm in youth group and blah, blah, blah. Um, but then I move to Hawaii. I graduate high school. I do junior college. And then I moved to Hawaii to go to school at UH Manoa outside of Oahu and Waikiki. And this is like my first away from home experience. And I'm living out there by myself um, with a friend that I kind of knew from college-ish. We were kind of roommates, but we didn't really see each other. He did his own thing. I did my own thing. But what I realized was is that Hawaiians don't like white people. <laughs> um, it was funny. Like, legit did not like white people. And I'm shockingly Caucasian, as Bill Burr would say. Um, and I had, at the time, just, oh my gosh, talk about... Oh, I had bleach blonde hair when I had hair. I don't have any more, but I had hair. It was bleach blonde and I had a LeBray piercing. If you don't know, that's the one right below your lower lip in the center. Just thought I was the cat's meow. For sure, I thought I was the, the rooster socks. It was so bad. But I was out there and it was like my first taste of living alone and getting all that. And then kind of got a taste for like being on my own. And then the second that ended, I went there for a summer. Um and moved back, immediately moved to Las Vegas to, to go to school at UNLV, University of Nevada, Las Vegas. And that's where I ended up graduating college. But in Vegas is where like the testimony of me really is tested in terms of like, I went out there and I was never a drug person, never an alcohol person. I mean, I, you know, beer here and there, whatever, but like that wasn't my, you know, wasn't my thing. I just was, you know, not an excessive person, so to speak. Um, get out there and the first couple years, I'm, I'm, I'm rock solid, like, you know, uh, working, going to school, going to college, trying to get my degree, all those things. But eventually I get into um, gambling and I, hook line and sinker fell into the gambling addiction like just was like a gambler 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 so bad so sad um but i did that and that was up until 2000 gosh i want to say five six something like that in that ballpark i graduated college moved back to san diego to live with my parents and like Instantly started working again, doing everything else, uh, getting back into the reality of the world, like not living in Vegas lifestyle, so to speak, like nightclubs and all the jazz. And then, but I never liked being in San Diego. I had this restlessness in my heart. I just didn't want to be in San Diego. I didn't, I, I, I didn't like living at home. Not that my parents were bad. They were awesome, but I didn't like being at home or being at home. I didn't want to, I wanted more for my life. And I just felt like where I was at in San Diego wasn't going to get that. So... Uh, the Aria Hotel, I shouldn't say that, so uh, <laughs> I might edit that out. Um, I moved back to Vegas to open up 
a property out there. And so I went back out and then I just dove into the lifestyle, which is very nightlifey, very clubby, very, very much of a superficial. And, and I always appreciated the superficiality of Las Vegas because I thought it was very honest. It was an honest bad, if that made sense, like an honest liar. Uh, the people in Vegas were all about money, nightlife, perception is reality. They were about their image and all that, but they weren't fake about it. Whereas I felt like a lot of people in San Diego, and again, my own perception, were like trying to be very legit and cool and down to earth, but we're all about the same things. They just did it all kind of sleazy, I would say. And so I kind of appreciated the, the out, out the straightforward part of, of Vegas. Again, it's silly. It's silly even to say this now, but that was reality. So... I am out there in Vegas and I'm living a very Vegas lifestyle. So like nightlifing, drinking, and then I slide into start dabbling into drugs. And I had never been a drug person, which tells you like how crazy your your lines of what you won't cross fade away. Because again, the entire time, if you ask me, like I was a Christian, like I legitimately, when people would say the Lord's name in vain, like if someone said G-Darn around me, I'd always be like, ouch. Can we uh, watch the G darns here? Hey guy, you know, meanwhile, I'm dropping F-bombs like it's my job, like I'm getting paid to. You know I mean? My vernacular was so atrocious. I mean, I was a bartender in Las Vegas and I was, I, I had a filthy mouth, but because I didn't say G darns, bro, I'm good. You know what I mean? Uh, go ahead and consider me holy. Because I, I mean, that's how crazy my rationalization was for my faith. Um, I was there uh, anyway so i'm out there i i all my friends i start dabbling with drugs and then dabbling becomes so i have a an addictive personality <laughs> um i like doing things if i'm gonna do something i want to do it and so i started dabbling with uh drugs um alcohol is never a big deal for me like it's weird of what what you are a fan of it's weird of what your body gravitates towards um for me, alcohol was never a draw. Like you could, I could take it or leave it. It was never a big deal. My friends had to wake up and have a beer. Me, I, I could never, I, I, I don't, you know, I could never drink. I'd be fine with it. It was not a big deal. I didn't hate it, didn't, but wasn't my drug of choice by any stretch. But once I, like gambling was my drug of choice, cigarettes were my drugs of choice. But once I found the devil's dandruff, uh, I'll be the first to tell you. Like I took a hard left turn into that lane and just, yeah. And it was brutal because it's an expensive drug and it's, you know, the lifestyle that it leads up to, it just kind of fit into all the other things I was doing. And so it just made sense. And then that drug led to other drugs. Um, and I was just, found myself living for that. And it would, you, like, I, like, I, the Holy Spirit would be just tugging at me. I would be at my house, like, and I would cry out to the Lord, like, to get me out of Las Vegas. Because I realized I loved being there. Like, I was addicted to Las Vegas and all the things that went with it. Um, and I couldn't pry myself away from it. Like, I, I wanted to. Like, I, you asked me, man, I, I, like, I was that person who prayed for forgiveness but never repented. You know what I mean? Like, because I knew that... The second, like the second I got a chance to do another drug or the second I got a chance to, to gamble, I was gonna. Like I wanted forgiveness for what I had just done, but I knew I wasn't strong enough to not do it again. Um, oh, and let me just insert a, a, a caveat. And, and when I was 30 years old, I blew out my L4, L5 disc working out. Like it just dramatically blew out my L4, L5 disc. And so it was 
constant pain from that point forward. Like I was in pain all the time, which really added to the self-medication. Like I was doing a lot of drinking and everything else. Not as an excuse, but like I live like my, my from 30 to 39 and we'll get there to why 30 to 39, but that was, I was in constant pain, like just a lot of pain on my best day. It was a lot of pain on my worst day. I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't walk. Um, and that's the pain I lived in all the time. So that kind of pain changes your perception on things. Like you just start, like you're just, you, you, it sucks the joy out of a lot of things. And my life, I can honestly say during that period was joyless, was joyless, uh, absolutely without joy. Um, from my 30 to 36, absolutely were the worst years of my life. <clears throat> And I'll explain why. Like I wanted, I knew what I was missing in my life. It was faith. I knew what I was missing was the Lord. Like I had grown up with the Lord. I had experienced it. I knew what was available for me, kinda, but I never had a relationship. So I didn't know how to bridge the gap between my lifestyle, which was awful, and my faith, which was non-existent, except for the fact that I knew I had the Holy Spirit in me, but you wouldn't know it by looking at me. I was that person that like, my witness was atrocious. Like I, I constantly repent and ask for forgiveness for like the, the stumbling block I was to so many people during that season. Like I was just not a good person um, on any level, let alone a subjective Christian level. You know what I mean? So, you know, so I'm 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 living that lifestyle, and then 2016 is a crazy year. So my grandmother had been diagnosed with cancer, stage four cancer or state cancer back in 2014. And in 2016, she finally lost her battle after like two and a half years. Right. But the month before she passes, both my father and my grandfather get diagnosed stage four cancer. Like, so in my world, I've got my mom, my dad, and my grandmother, my grandfather. That's like my family, like my brother. And that's it. That's like my entire world of family that I care about, like, you know, aunts, uncles and that. But you know what I mean? Like that's the, the primary group. And we grew up with my grandparents every summer at their house. Like my brother and I would fly out from Mississippi to California and spend the entire summer with our grandparents traveling across the country. It was an amazing youth experience growing up. So I was very close to my grandparents. I didn't talk to them all the time anymore because, you know, I was living a dumb, 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 dumb life, but they were the, incredibly important to me. <clears throat> so we lose my grandmother, right? And it was a huge bummer, you know, a huge bummer. And, and, and my grandfather and, you know, it, and now he's diagnosed stage four and we're thinking, all right, well, he just lost his wife and he's diagnosed stage four. Like this is a, you know, how quick before he passes, you know, situation. And so that kind of added to my situation out in Vegas of like, just, oh man, I, I, I'm just not happy. There's no joy. Um, and then I'm out there living again, selfish drug, every, 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 everywhere I went in life at, during that time, just to kind of give you how bad it was. And I'm, this is not a glorification of it. This is not a celebration. This is not a Woo, 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 this was so cool. But like, just how bad I was, um, like everywhere I went, I had to have it on me. Like if I was going to leave my house, I needed it. Cause I needed the, like it for me, it was medication. Cause I was so unhappy. I was so sad. My soul was so just, oh, like, you know what I mean? I needed that to like 
put the mask on to even make it through the reality. Like everyone I was associating with or anything back then, like they just, like I needed to have that. If it wasn't for those drugs, I would have, I would have just been at home just like a miserable, miserable person. And I still was, let's be honest. I was a completely miserable, but that made me seem like happy, go lucky, fun, fun guy. And it was, could not be further from the truth. So my grandfather got cancer, my dad's got cancer, and then this is September, and all of a sudden my um, my mom calls me, and you know we've been checking in like how's dad doing and blah blah blah. He's fine. She's a woman of faith. She's like any moment now, God's gonna heal him. I know God's gonna heal him. I know God's gonna heal him, and we believe. I, I was fine with that. I'm like, yeah, absolutely, whatever. You know, um, I didn't have the faith for it like she did. I was kind of like, well, we'll see what happens. Obviously, again, because I didn't have a relationship, so. But I get a call on a, I want to say a Saturday or a Sunday. I forget which one it is. Um, no, it would have been a, a Friday or a Saturday day. Because I used to work graveyards out there. I was bartending at the time at a bar, working graveyards. And so I got a call from my mom. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, she's like, oh, hey, I just got off the phone with the doctors. Your dad has three days to live. Three days. Like, so imagine my world of going from, hey, any moment now, he's going to get a bill of perfect health to he's not going to maybe make it through the weekend. And so I was like, wow, well, okay. And I just kind of received it. You know what I mean? My mom said it and I was kind of like, wow, okay. Um, And then my next phone call was to my dealer. (laughs) because <laughs> I definitely needed some medication for the situation and the news I just received. So that was my first phone call. Like, how crazy is that? That was my first phone call. Like, it wasn't... Like, I still am blown away by that. Like, I'm just taken aback by how crazy I was to think that was my first phone call was to call my dealer because I needed I needed some drugs. Um, and then he didn't answer. And this was a total, I think, a divine... For me personally, I think like his phone would have never answered. It doesn't matter how I tried. He was never going to answer. Because then my next phone call was to my best friend who uh, is still living in Las Vegas. And um, someone I've known for so long. He's an amazing guy, his family. But I called him and he was never a part of my lifestyle. That makes sense. Like he was always had a family and kids. I was the single one going out living crazy. But he was the one that was like my grounding and we've, we've been best friends for you know decades now and it's, it, he's so awesome and, and, and I can't tell you enough about why I appreciate him. But in this moment, I called him just to kind of like share and like, hey man, like this is what's going on in my world right now. And he's like, so when are you going home? And he asked me that question like so obviously. But it had never occurred to me. Like my mindset was so warped of not being able to leave Las Vegas that the idea of going home to see my dad never occurred to me. Never occurred to me. And I don't even know how to explain that. But like it never occurred to me that I needed to go and be with my father. Like what? Like insane. Never occurred to me until he said it. And I was like, oh yeah, like... And then it just clicked. Like everything kind of made sense. I'm like, oh, wow. So immediately I got the one with him. I called my realtor. I'm like, hey, you need to sell my house. I'm, I'm, I'm going home. Like I'm, I'm going to San Diego and I'm not coming back. Um, told my roommate, hey, dude, you've got until this house sells to be here. But 
I'm selling the house. You know what I mean? And then I, and, and my work kind of knew that there were some health issues in my house, you know, with my, my grandfather and father, but they didn't know, no, no, no. And I walked in that work and said, Hey, today's my, tonight's my last night in the morning. I'm driving out. So literally in the morning, I get off work, working eight hours, load my car up as much as it will possibly hold and drive back to San Diego. Now, mind you, I'm like, woo, you know what I mean? Like I'm thinking that, wow, God answered my prayers because I'm leaving Vegas behind me, you know, like clean slate and just rolling out, boom, done. Um, and the most amazing blessing is that God works so many, uh, does so many miracles, God does so many amazing little miracles that are just, they're these perfect little things. So like my dad was supposed to live for three days and I get back and he like lights up like a Christmas tree because his... He said numerous times he'd get cancer all over again just to get me out of Vegas, which is like the saddest yet craziest thing I've ever, you know I mean? That's how bad I was that he would take on terminal illness just to remove me from my situation. So well, yeah, like, you know, son of the year. Um, but he got five weeks. I got to be with him every day for five weeks, like every day, all day, take care of my dad which was the biggest blessing and gift I could ever get was to just repay some of the, the, you know, what he did for me in my life growing up. I could just give some of that back, you know? And it was not pretty, like stage four cancer when someone has stomach and like the whole body, like changing diapers and everything else. We laughed about it as a family, but man, it's brutal. It's brutal to, to see your father who was this, your, you know, the leader, the man in your house just shriveled down to like a hundred pound nothing. I'm, I'm throwing him around like he's, you know, like a child. He's so light with that. And it's just, what cancer does is just, oh man, it's so brutal. But I wouldn't trade it for the world because it was my opportunity to, to just repay my father a little bit of what he had given me and, and the love and the, just the care and the, the fact that I was there. And he could see the fact that, you know, I would, had left Vegas. It was just an amazing time. So it was, it was God anointed that time so much. Um, and then that was it. Like I, I was out of Vegas. I'm, I'm, you know, my father has passed. Um, we're now, I'm now starting a new career and other things. And I'm like telling you like, oh man, like I am good. Like I left Vegas. I didn't have a problem. There were no, I, Daniel Jordan didn't have any problems whatsoever. I was flawless. Vegas was the problem. That's where everything was wrong. Not me. Um, so, ah, <laughs> fun reality could not be further from the truth all the addictions caught up came sprinting back like you know I'm going to the Indian casinos because I still like to gamble and I somehow when you're hanging out with people like you know you run into people and just people who do illicit substances just know each other they, they you can find someone in a crowd and I had spent so many years in Vegas and that in that scene I can just see someone from across the room and kind of know who and who was not. And it just led to the same situation. And I said it started in, in, in 2017, January. I go on a, um, a snow trip back up to Las Vegas with some friends. And it was just back to the old shenanigans. You know what I mean? Just, just ridiculous lifestyle and everything else. And so when the weekend was done, we're Everyone's kind of going back to the house. I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to drive back to San Diego. Um, and they're like, you should stay here. And I'm like, nah. You know, and they're like, we've been, you know, up a lot. You should just stay here. I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go home. And so I leave to drive home to San Diego with a significant amount of, you know, and 
on me. Let's put it that way. And I'm driving home, and the next thing I know, I wake up in my bed in San Diego with my alarm going off, right? My phone alarm is going off, and it says on my phone, um, alert that I, <laughs> it says, call your brother, get Shane's number, you need help. Um, and so you don't know, my, Shane was the assistant pastor at our church. And so somehow I had used almost all what I had brought with me on that drive home. Um, I had stopped at three casinos and spent thousands of dollars and I have no idea how I got back to my house. I have none, no clue. I wake up in the bed, but somewhere in that process of just being an absolute idiot, the Holy Spirit is the only way to explain it, set an alert on my phone to get help for myself. And so that was what I was seeing when I woke up in my bed, like just transplanted into my bed, like just transported, not transplanted, transported into my bed, wake up and there it is staring me dead in the face. And then I have an option. Do I call or do I not call? And so luckily, thank the Lord, I listened to my own advice or the Holy Spirit's advice and I call my brother, get my uh, Shane's number, call Shane, go have the coffee with him the next day pour everything out, like my addictions, my life for the past 10 years, all the jazz, just downloaded on him. <laughs> just brutal. Um, and then we move forward and he starts pouring into me and his gifting is lost prodigal and he's one of the most amazing men in my life and is such a significant part of who I am today in my faith because there were so many times I took a step backwards like after that time, I wish I could say like, dude, I had the Holy Spirit in me and that was it. One and done, gone. I was on fire from that point forward. It was not that easy for me. I would get involved and I would, you know, kind of fade away. I would, I would, you know, you know, uh, do -si do put one right foot in, right foot out type stuff. I would be hot and lukewarm and, and the entire time he just kept pouring into me life. He kept pouring into me life, pouring into me life, calling me to more, calling me to more, never really losing his patience with me when I was clearly a frustration to both him and myself, but just kept doing that. And so, um, it was unbelievable. Like that was the start of really kind of figuring out what a relationship with the Holy Spirit and what a relationship with community looked like and something I'd never experienced or never had before. And so that was when things started to change. And I started like all the, you know, I would just give it to God about stuff and like the, the walls on my heart that I built up to be so hard and tough were starting to slowly crumble. And I would, you know, be listening to worship music and just be sobbing. Um, and I, I, to the point, I, I started making really hard decisions. I'm like, okay, I was a big DJ head. I loved EDC music and stuff like that. And I cut out all secular music. I just started listening to worship. If it wasn't Christian or worship, I just didn't want to hear it because I was so impacted by music. It had been such a big part of my life. And so... That was a huge game changer. Um, and then I started getting into life group and I started getting into community and people that actually were walking like their walks out. And I started to see it from a perspective that I'd never seen it before. And that like just ignited me. And that's kind of been the journey. And that's when I met my wife who that's a whole other story. And like just the things that are put in now, again, I, I wasn't flawless there. And like, I'm still, there's so many things that I've grown with since that time. But that was in 2000, um, 
2017. So 2018, I think I got baptized. I meet my wife in 2019. We're married in 2020. We moved to Texas in 21. I mean, there's like a sprint from here to there. But I, I say all that as a testimony. It's like, I, I, I wish I didn't have the experience, the knowledge that I had in the world that I lived in. However, it's given me this amazing perspective on on struggles, addictions. Like I, I you know, I I have a ton of sympathy because I always said I'd never be that guy, and then I was that guy. Like I always said I'd never, you know, oh no way, that's not me. And then nope, nope, that was a hundred percent me. Um, you know how quickly it was to fade away when I didn't. My faith wasn't standing on anything. Like it was just standing on the experience. And I was hoping that those random powerful experiences I had in, in my faith would guide me through. And it was the the best reality to learn that had nothing. I, I, I built my, my experiences on sand. And that what I was desperately needing and desperately wanting was relationship, like that everyday relationship, proximity. And I say that word all the time in terms of proximity, but that is truly the game changer for me is like whatever. And that's the kind of the mindset I've taken about my walk, my faith is that if anytime I recognize a barrier that I put between myself and and the Holy Spirit, I, I actively aggressively try to remove it. And so I'm very much the people I'm like, if I see that I'm on my phone a lot, like my wife used to hate how much I was on a phone. Like it was an issue, but I, I put my phone down now. I don't, I don't, if, if I'm not in the Bible app, I'm not on my phone besides emails and business and stuff like that, like work. But like, I'm not just randomly aimlessly on my phone. I had to put away social media because it was a problem. I had to put away a, like, you know, YouTube because it was a problem. I'd spiral on YouTube. I would look for ways to fill my mind, but like, all these things now again i'm not saying everyone has to be militant or you know crazy or you know whatever my perception is like but i i know for me what my like like i know where my 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 soft spots are i know where my weaknesses lie like you know like for instance i don't drink alcohol um i don't think alcohol is a sin um at all but i think being drunk is but for me personally nothing good has ever come from alcohol for me so i don't drink um, I don't watch movies that have strong sexual content because I know like my background of what I've, what I've experienced in life. Like, I don't want to deal with that. Like, I don't want to deal with the things that are going to possibly move my mind in a direction that I fight tooth and nail to make sure it doesn't happen. And so that's kind of where I'm at. So like, that's a, you know, not, uh, there's more to my testimony in terms of like, just like things that God's done, miracles he's done, like there's other stuff and we'll talk about those healing and other things that he's done for me, but kind of a, uh, you know, a, probably a little bit long winded outline of where I was coming from the South, moving to San Diego, moving to Hawaii, moving to Vegas, living the lifestyle. Um, and what God did through all those things is I, I mean, I, I, I to this day, I, 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 one of my favorite songs ever was DC talk. What if I stumble? And the very beginning of that song, and I've committed it to memory because the first time I heard it, it made me cry. Um, it said, um, the leading cause of atheists today are Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and then deny him with their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. And that's the opening to the What If I Stumble song. And that song always meant so much to me because I'm like, that's, I'm always stumbling. I'm like, what if I don't stumble? That'd be the better song. Um, 
But I always felt like I always hid my Christianity. I always hid my faith because I never wanted to be a stumbling block, which is, you know, again, like the dumbest thought process ever. But I was always like, didn't want to say who I was in faith because I knew that I wasn't a witness. My witness was so bad that I wanted to like, ah, yeah, not me, not this guy. And... That is the one thing, the, 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 the stronghold that has been broken like in my world. I am as proud and as open and as honest about my faith as I possibly can be because I want the accountability. Like I want the accountability of someone who, who I want you to know I'm a Christian before you even talk to me. I, I want you to, I want the Holy Spirit to ooze out of me to the point like when I walk into a room, it changes. You know, not because of me by any stretch, but because of him, because of my proximity to him, because of my relationship with him. He changes the room. He changes the atmosphere. I just happen to have a front row seat. And before I was back in the, I was in the parking lot. I don't even know if I had gotten there and that's how far I was away. But now I'm like, I want as close as I can get to him, the better. And like, let him work through me to do whatever he wants to do. And you can fill the space, Lord. That's, I mean... That's my goal. That's my desire. And so I, I, I always, like, I've had to really work on forgiving myself for how I treated people under the guise of being a Christian. Like, the people that knew I was a Christian and how I behaved, like, oh, man, I've given them green lights. And you're not, like, you know, I'm not accountable for their behavior 100%. I'm not accountable for their behavior 100%. But I did provide just horrific witnesses of what a Christian looks like and acts like. And I've had to repent about that and move forward with other options. But like, it's, you know, it's, I don't know, it's amazing to see where, like where God's taking me and where I'm moving towards. I'm so happy about it. So that's pretty much it. That is my testimony in a nutshell. Um, what I've gone through, where I've been, um, like just, uh, the things that are to come. So as you go throughout this podcast and as you hear me talk about things, know that's that's the lens I'm seeing it through. I'm seeing it through someone who is every day ecstatic at the life I'm living in the Lord because I know what I was living. Every day is so much better. Like I'm so happy with like I could not be more excited about my 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 relationships my my living situation my my wife my church my 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 but most importantly my relationship with the Holy Spirit because I'm so intimately aware of where it was before where it wasn't I should say um like some people kind of get into malaise about their faith and this and that kind of a um, expectancy or you know this is the way it is the norm and thank the Lord I'm not there. Like I am so aware of how easy it was for me to slide into the worst version of myself. And that whole time period was the worst version of myself. I, I remember distinctly of how I was and how I behaved and how easy it was. And so holding on to the Holy Spirit and holding on to, to, to that faith and that relationship is man, it's, it, it, I can still taste, like, like, like I can still sense those things and I, I don't want to go anywhere near it. Like I know what that life is like and man, it's, it's, it's a dark, never ending black hole abyss and it's just sadness and shame and I'm not there. And so how I process the world moving forward is through a lens of someone who was there but is no longer, who's been saved, who's been forgiven, who's been redeemed, 
who has had his entire experience like just my God is so good. Like if he forgives me, my Lord, there's no one he can't forgive. There's no one he can't show mercy to. There's no one who doesn't deserve grace if he gave it to me. And I just want to like explore that and know more and, and be more open to the things that are for that, um, for him. And so thank you guys for, this wasn't a funny, laughy, whatever podcast, but this is just so you guys know where this is all coming from. So uh, I hope you enjoyed it. And yeah, we'll see how it goes. Bye. You have been listening to a Church podcast. Just know you are cooler than all your friends that didn't.